When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Dude, the rhino might be back, bro. Football. Booney, I have a question for you. Do you like football? You like football? I love it. How much do you like football? I love it. I love football. Okay. I'll see how much you love football after I... Dan Campbell doesn't just like football. Dan Campbell loves football. That doesn't happen by accident. Everything we talked about, we stayed the course, which you guys have done, man. And we're playing some pretty clean physical football, man. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! That's a guy that likes football. He's always red-faced, always screaming. <laughs> he's, yes. He is so football all the time. He's a man. Hello. Three straight wins for the Lions, by the way. Um, I feel like if we could, there's anything we can find to talk about besides the Vikings, it would be it would be helpful. Dude, so don't hey, call it a the Lions. Right? Don't, it's never too late. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get into some uh, some non-Viking stuff on the show today. We are gonna get into a what the hell happened to the offensive line in that game film breakdown from Alex Uh-oh. Boone. Is that what you picked? I the have could have went a lot of different ways. I have three Kirk Cousins maulings by Micah Parsons and somebody else that we will we will queue up at some point here. But um, I guess what is for, for people freaking out here? As the little you know, just the, the second worst home loss in Vikings history. Uh, the last time, the only other time they lost by more than thirty-seven was in nineteen sixty-three. They lost to the at the time the St. Louis Cardinals before they moved to Arizona. That's yeah, old school, that is old. Hey, you name me one player from that team, and I'll call you a legend. No idea. Zero clue. Probably some guy named Crazy Legs or something. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Crazy Legs Duckworth. Yeah, there he goes down the field. He's probably on somebody's he's jumping over the fender. Yeah. Those those are right. the days where they would just put the goalpost on the goal line too, and so you would just have, you'd have like a guy running free over the middle him. and just right. knock himself out cold with the. Then they make you get right back in the game. Concussion, what's that? <laughs> Stupid. How many fingers am I holding up? If you get it within two, we're going to put I you know. back in the it's, game. It's true or false. Everybody knows that. True or false, man's holding up some fingers. True. Uh, looks uh, looks like a finger to me. Okay. Totally um, how much should Vikings fans and or the Vikings be freaking out after the ass-kicking by the Cowboys? Listen, I know it was an ass-kicking. That was a serious ass-kicking. Like, Prime time, 
they cut away from the game early. It was such an ass kicking, right? Like, it was bad. And I've always told you I'm the last guy that will panic. And for some reason, like, it was just bound to happen. Like, eventually in the season, you kind of lull yourself to sleep. You get this huge win, and you're like, man, everyone's just going to bow down now. See what we did in Buffalo. And you don't realize that, like, Mike McCarthy, who just lost to Green Bay after he was winning, is coming back to Minnesota, probably having PTSD from Mike Zimmer, just kicking his ass for years, that all of a sudden he's like, no matter what, we're battening down the hatches this week, boys. We're getting back to football. Like, you know, that's one of those weeks where you're like, babe, I can't talk right now. We're sleeping at the facility. Yeah, coach got crazy. It's, 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 it's anarchy now, but we're going to, we're just going to follow through with it. It sounds like a good time, but I mean, Dak Prescott was like, what, 25 of 27. Like the dude was just on stride the whole day. Tony Pollard comes out of nowhere and just, a wheel route down the sidelines. Looks like he was kind of jogging halfway. I mean, at some point, though, you kind of knew it was going to happen, that this team would – everybody does it. Philly tripped over themselves. It happens. There's games where you just go and kind of like, ah, no, we got this, right? Yeah, we'll be fine. We're going to get rid of the ball quickly. We're going to do a couple things. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do us. We're going to be fine. Oh, we're going to kill their O-line. problem is you don't take into account that they play such a great defense, so you see such great players every day. When you block Micah Parsons every single day, guys like Zadarius don't seem so scary anymore. You know what I'm saying? And it was one of those things where you'd go out to practice and you would kind of hate it because you were like, God, I'm playing like one of the best out there today. He's he's pissed off at somebody else, but he's going to take it out on me. But then you'd get out there and you'd almost appreciate how hard they'd be going because in the game you'd get out there and it'd get a little bit slower. And you'd be like, man, this is great. Yeah, I got my ass kicked for five days. But was it worth it? It sure was because on Sunday we looked good. And that's what was so fun. So I don't think people took that into account. But overall, we had kind of talked earlier. And we don't really talk a lot during the week about what we're going to talk about on the show. But I told you that the one thing that kind of bothered me was just a little bit of the effort at times. Like it just looked like guys literally were lulled to sleep and falling asleep and thought things that were going to be hard would somehow seem super easy. And, you know, I'm never going to get out of backup ever, ever, just because I know that's a really tough situation. But at some point, like you've got to make a stand out there and you got to be like, hey, listen, I might be a backup, but I don't play like one. I'm a badass. I come out here, I swing like everybody else. And to me, it just kind of looked like they got bullied. And it was like, man, somebody going to swing back I me. Mean, at times you're watching Brian O'Neill get pushed back. Dude, even the bully's getting bullied a little bit. And it just didn't seem right. And Derisaw goes out. And I mean, early on, when he gave up that sack fumble on the third play, he just didn't seem like himself. I mean, a simple hand swipe would not get a guy like Derisaw. So for him to get beat either, to me, that says that there was either a three-step or he was just not there. Because he's been playing at such a high level all year. That that simple hand swipe like that, like, I just didn't think that would have gotten him. And then all of a sudden he, he leaves the game with a concussion and you've got a backup coming in and all of a sudden things are getting crazy and you're down big and they're kind of teeing off on you and guys are freaking out. But you turn around and you look at it and you say, hey, listen, we got punched in the mouth. We have to respond. And I think the one thing that's great about this is that when you turn around and play on a Thursday, you can kind of forget it quicker. You know what I'm saying? You don't have all week to sit there and think about it. You don't have Monday to watch the film with the coaches. Get cussed out like you have no idea. Sit there and eat every bit. You are so right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you got to mean it. And then turn around on Tuesday, sit there, dread the whole day of like, God, I got to wait 
24 hours, go back in there and do something. This just could drive me nuts. Instead, it's like you turn right around on Monday morning and you're getting a whole new playbook and your whole new play sheet and a whole new defense you're looking at. Now you're looking at the guy like Bill Belichick's defense who you know they're going to do everything they can to take away Justin Jefferson. If they're going to go man, they're going to go bracket, they're going to go two man, they're going to find a way to shut him down. And it's going to put a lot of emphasis on everybody else. But this is kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, if I'm in that locker room, hey, we got our mouth, we got punched in the mouth. There's no question we did. But we can erase that entire game if we come out here on this Thursday on Thanksgiving and we punch these dudes back in the mouth. Like everybody will forget about what happened. And yet it's a learning curve for all of us. We should never fall asleep like that. We shouldn't take these teams for granted, especially teams that have been losing on the road. Like you just never know when it's going to piss a guy off. So short week, huge bonus. But yeah, man, that was definitely a huge kick in the dick. Do you, do you think <laughs> it was? Do you, do you, no, it, I mean, watching it was that I was actually I was really kind of grateful. I'm outside the local. I think the local market for Dallas and Minneapolis got to keep watching the game. I think, but I'm I'm outside Minneapolis, and at first I was kind of mad, like, oh my gosh, they're going away from the game. What am I? What what? what so I went over because I. So this is now I'm in way too deep with the story, but. Uh, I've got the NFL, what's it called, the Game Pass or whatever it is, where you can just watch all the games, like the DirecTV thing. Yeah. So yeah. they black the games out that are national TV games. So the 3 o'clock feature game, you don't get it on the NFL package. So if they remove it from, if they, if, you oh, know, James, you. we're going to go back to James out. Brown in the studio, yeah. and he basically apologized for how crappy the game was, and he said, we're going to find a more competitive matchup for you. And they go to Bengal Steelers. And for like 30 seconds, I was like, well, there's still a quarter in it. It's the third quarter. I I gotta watch the rest of the game. I, no, no, no. Let's just fire up vent line and see what happens. But for for like an hour, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, who flew all the way up for a nationally televised game in Minneapolis, were doing a regional broadcast for just like the suburbs of Minneapolis and uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. The game was that out of hand. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it got it got. I mean. The first series, you could just tell those guys were out for blood. And, and that's one of those weeks where you go in and you're like, man, don't sleep on these guys. They've lost a couple games, but that could easily fire them back up. And you would let a guy like Micah Parsons come out in the third play and wreck shop. Like, it just sets the tempo for the rest of the game. And that, that was, to me, was like, man, but here's the crazy thing. For a long time in that game, I was like, man, there's still a chance. I mean, these guys have done these guys have done some crazy things this year, right? Like, And that's what, to me, was like, wow. Yeah, it's okay to get mad, and I'm sure everybody got cussed out for the for the terrible performances they had. But then you turn around and you're like, but into the third quarter, I was still like, man, they could come back. They've done this before. This doesn't yeah. seem like it would be very hard for Dalvin breaks one, Justin Jefferson catches a long one, and we're back right in it, guys. Like, and that to me is kind of like, man, it's kind of fun to think like that instead of like, well, that sucks. You're like, well, it would take a lot, but they could do it. Yeah, I was I was in the same boat when you know, halftime. I think it was twenty three to three. And I was thinking, okay, this is really bad. But, you know, Dallas did just blow a 14-point lead last week. And the Vikings have come back from down double digits three times already. So, you know, if you just kind of come out, get a stop, and then get the ball back. And as I'm processing this to start the third quarter, like, boom, you blink. And I think I think that was the Tony Pollard yeah, the catch. Uh, 60 yards and see a Jordan Hicks. Okay, now it's 30-3. to three. Yeah. yeah, when I saw that, I was like, no, that, this, is, this is gone. There's just, yeah. when, he was, when Tony Pollard was kind of like had a little bounce to him, like I've kind of got a beat to me, I was like, yeah, it's over. It's definitely not coming back. So, so do you think, because the national narrative now, or maybe it's a reality, you tell me, is 
the Vikings were people were kind of questioning the whole season how they're playing all these close games. They can't create separation. It's they're walking a tightrope. You can't keep doing it like this. Right. And uh, and this was the game everyone was waiting for, where they would just it would just like course correct and they would get smoked. And now they're now they're frauds. Is the national? I don't think you can win eight of your first nine games and be a fraud. Um, I think maybe it maybe it resets so that they're they're not like the second best team in the NFL. Maybe they're more like the fifth or seventh or eighth or something. But what are your? Do you think this game? Do you think this game was forecasting the future, or is it as simple like you said? Is if you just win against the Patriots on Thursday, then whatever, like a loss is a loss. Yeah, a loss is a loss, and it happens all the time. And you don't want it to happen, but they do happen, right? And I'm not going to say that you can ever look back and be like, well, you know, we had that coming, but. I thought that the effort was low. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Like, that was the most disappointing. As a former player, you're like, man, come on. At some point in the game, you got to come out here and just start a fight. Do something. Be crazy. And, yeah, people are going to be mad at you. But your team's going to love you because they're like, hey, man, remember that time that guy started that spark? It was a fight. Yeah, that thing got us going. You know, it doesn't matter, right? It's all about the team at that point. So, other than that, though, you come back on Thursday and you beat Bill Belichick. I mean, after they just beat the Jets in that punt return, which was pretty sweet. Like, let's be honest, that was pretty cool, right? And that I game, really... Three to three, dude, ten seconds left. Dude, how is a punt return? T- tell me you didn't think that game was going to be a defensive struggle. Those two coaches, come on. Like, that was bound to happen. And those two quarterbacks just being kind, oh, of, yeah. kind of trained. Okay, actually, since we're down the side street real quick, let's so uh, Zach, Zach Wilson is the second-year young quarterback for the Jets. I don't know if you yeah. followed some of this stuff, but no. um, there's been some... He's He, he just hasn't been good. At all in, in the first two seasons, and they're they can't move the ball. They had like a hundred yards, and the Patriots have a good defense. But right. after the game, so again, the Jets had I think a hundred twenty yards of total offense. He completed nine passes the whole game, Staggering. and some other Jets offensive players, some veterans, were saying to the media like, "This is unbleeping acceptable. Like this can never happen again." Everything that you kind of say, like, be accountable. So he gets asked by some reporter at the podium after the game said, hey, do you feel like you let the defense, the defense just went out and gave, you know, played for three hours and allowed three points, not counting the special teams touchdown. Do you feel like you let the defense down? He just immediately says no and then turns away. And then, and there's all these reports now that he was walking around the locker room. Players are, like, upset with the way that he's not owning it. Does uh, that stuff that land? How, how does that stuff land in a locker room when – Young quarterback struggling says something like that. No, I, don't, I didn't let the defense down. I, I'd rather him just own it, I guess. Yeah, I think there's some there's a point to be made, especially when you're a young guy and you haven't really proven anything. And everyone's kind of like, hey, we just went out a really defensive struggle the game, and you barely won this game. Like, do you have anything to say? And you're like, no, nah, not really. Like, you should. It's at that moment that you should be like, hey, offensively, that's not acceptable. And I think – Number one, that will always make its way back to the locker room. Whether people say it does or it doesn't, somehow it does. And it's whether somebody was walking by the room and heard it, somebody reads the paper. Another, and you know it's a big one, is like one media member will hear it and then come back into the locker room. And yeah. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Can you said? believe that so-and-so? And then it's like, and here's the problem, too, and this has always pissed me off. And you know this. I'm a very emotional person, especially about football. Cause it's very really? Fun for me. Oh, yeah, right. No, I did And so – you come after me like 10 minutes after a game, whether we win or whether we lose. Phil, you saw me after games. I mean, I was the most – after the games, I was either the most pissed after a loss, like breaking the locker in half. And after wins, I was trying to celebrate as hard as I could with everybody because it's hard to win. And Didn't then you call sudden, out Vikings fans one time? I, I did. 
And you know why I did? Because they kept cheering during Dallas game on a Thursday night when Prefer was our head coach. We were down in the end zone on the five-yard line trying to go in, and they kept screaming, cheering, and we couldn't hear the play. And Sam was trying to scream the play, and I remember thinking in my head, I thought I was at home this week. And it was against Dallas, and we were super pissed, and we ended up going for two, and we ended up jumping off sides because nobody could hear the snap count. And I was like, how do you jump off sides? It's on one. Like, the ball moves quickly. But then I started thinking again, like, it's really loud. (laughs) Why the hell is it so goddamn long? You get mad about these things. And then after the game, you know me, how I get. And they were like, jump off sides in this play, backs you up. You missed the two-point conversion to lose the game. How do you feel right now, Boone? And I'm, you know me. I'm, like, throwing a chair across the room. I'm like, can somebody shut these fans up? I'm so sick of this because I was. It's so hard sometimes when people throw a microphone in your face and you're just a little bit jolted about something. Yeah. And they come in, and you know what's even crazier is that half the time they're not even telling you the truth. They're just trying to get a good reaction. And I'm probably the easiest to get a reaction out of it. Yeah, it was like you and Jared Allen from that last 10-year period. Like, Easily. put a microphone in their face, they'll say something say crazy. something stupid, right? Because, <laughs> and, and, but at some point, I take a lot of credit for that because I don't have a filter. So what, I'm, what I am saying is always true. And whether you come back and hate me for it, at least I can't be like, well, I was lying to you, right? Like, you'd be really pissed to hear about how many people are lying to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys would go and say things, I'd be like, <laughs> No way you're going to get away with that one. That one was, you're an idiot. And they'd be like, how do you know? I'd be like, oh, dude, professional. Um, how many, let me ask you this, back to the to the Vikings for a second. So Christian Derrissaw now has two concussions in consecutive weeks. I don't, I, apparently he's never had a concussion before. What's, what is your experience with concussions? I feel like, in, especially with all the Tua stuff from earlier this year, Yeah, he's first, he's out Thursday for sure. For sure. They've already said that. I think he might be out for for a few weeks minimum. Yeah, they're bad. You get one, it's bad. You get two in a row, it's really bad. And I've had had a lot of concussions. I've only had a couple that were actually documented because they're bad enough that I actually had to say something or like I couldn't move or was immobile. And so I know that when you get one, the hardest part about a concussion is that you are so like, and this sounds stupid, but you are really out of it. Like you just don't know what's going on around you. And it's your your people are telling you what's going on, and you're like, I just don't believe you, and I don't know why I don't believe you. <laughs> people are like, you know, you're, you're doing all right, buddy. You're going to be okay. Give it a couple of days. And I'm like, I'm, just, I'm really scared all the time, and you're really nervous about nothing. And then you think, like, at some point you probably feel okay because some guys feel okay right away, right? And then they come back, but then you get another one. And you got to think, a concussion is like, the brain hitting the reset button. So everything comes back so slowly. And a lot of it is the problem is through your eyes. And I've realized that through getting so many of them, they're like, dude, the reason that you can't look at light or the reason that your eyes get so jittery is because that's the one thing that tells your brain what to do is your eyes. So you're obviously, some guys, and we, you know what? This is crazy too, because you brought that up. Because when I was here, we had a guy who got a concussion came back a week later to practice and got another one in practice and was almost scared to tell people because he was like, I don't know if anyone's going to believe me. And I had just had mine, so I was like, listen, man, I'm not messing around with these things. Like, I'm going to have to tell somebody if you don't. They're really scary. And it's sad to think that, like, Derrissaw never had one, and now he's got two in a row. Like, I really do hope he's doing well because that is nothing to mess around about. Yeah, and he's he could be a 10-year starter. So, you know, you're, it's crazy because – 
yeah, you're sitting here in this eight and two season, and you 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 want him back as soon as possible. But I'm also kind of thinking about five years from now. I don't want him racking up a third concussion and yeah. cutting years off of his career. So it's tough, and there's not. It's not like they have. It took them years just to find a competent starting unit on this offensive line. So it's not. And this is, you know, I, I don't mean to like dump on Blake Randall because yeah. most teams don't have a guy that can just like step in at left tackle and right. be hard. awesome. It's one of the hardest positions. So they're going to have to get really creative. And it, it's not like the, you know people might look and say, oh, the Patriots and the Jets, you know, those teams are kind of mediocre. They can't score. Yeah, but those defenses are two of the best pass rushes. You're facing like. All of the best pass rushes in a row here. You had the Commanders are a top five pass rush in terms of sacks and pressures. The Bills always get after it. The Micah Parsons, and now you get uh, now you get Belichick and Judon and the Jets after that. So it's not getting easier. You don't have to be like. Have you noticed like Bill hasn't really had any really wow me pass rushers in the last ten years? Like don't get me wrong, there's a couple of every now and then that come like like Judon. He was great at the Ravens. He does okay there. But, like, a lot of his stuff is, is scheme. So it's like, where's your weakness? How do I press on it? Can I get there quickly? How do I mess with you? Like, he's just so smart when it comes to things that you don't even have to look up and be like, man, they must have some really good players. They're really smart, and they know how to attack you. And they know if they take your first read away, and then they can possibly take your second read away, where well, you're going to be holding that ball for an awfully long time. And that's one of the things that makes him so good is that he's like, well, I'm just going to go pick on their strengths. This is what they like to go to first. This is what they like to go to second. Let's take these two things away. We start pressing on their weakness a little bit. We can start making this game more of us and less of them. Yeah. You know, old, old Macadac had a concussion one time. Talk to me. One concussion. Just one. Yeah. Uh, not from football. Quit football in eighth grade. So didn't didn't get it in football. And I wish it was some, like, cool sports injury. I wish it was, like, uh, you know, I took a fastball off the helmet in high school baseball. Or, that would suck. You know, it was, a, it was a snowboarding injury in Aspen during the, the World Cup qualifier or something. Nope, it was, um, it was an, an apartment I had downtown Minneapolis, and the refrigerator, somehow, like, the hose in the refrigerator that connects to the, to the piping or whatever, Somehow there was, like, a bubble in it, I think, in the building, and it popped loose. So I'm sleeping, and I just hear a hissing noise for, like, 10 minutes, 15. I try to go back to bed. It's been, like, 20 minutes. What the hell is that noise? So I walk out, and it's a kind of a – it's like a concrete open floor plan with, like, a like a glazed finish on okay. top of the concrete. So a little, little slippery to begin with. Slick. I walk out to the kitchen area, and there's water up to my ankles. There's just for a half hour water is just like coming out of some pipe in my apartment. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I run. I grab every towel I can, and I dump the towels on the ground. I'm trying to, like, I shut the water off somehow, and I'm trying to dry up this mess so it doesn't seep into the walls and all this crap. And so I grab the heaping pile of wet towels, and I'm going to run into the bathroom and just throw them in the bathtub. So I've got these towels in front of me, and I'm like, kind of running, you know, just kind of, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm kind of running, and of course, this is like a glazed, slippery coating on the floor, and now there is seeping towels in front of me, because I'm holding them, so there's water, like, dripping down, I already know and that. dude, I, barefoot, I went, it was like a cartoon, my foot just slipped up, I went full up in the air, like 90 degrees, parallel to the ground, yep, <laughs> my legs are still moving in the air, the towels oh, no. are going flying. And I landed flat on my back 
head on the con- and I'm lucky I didn't crack my head open and like bleed out alone in my apartment. And I laid there for like five minutes, like seeing stars and just you know counting the clouds. And I tried. I was like, okay, I'm just now I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> just Which wake up this morning. I went, good. Yeah, went to work. I felt, felt a little weird, but w- went to work. And I was sitting in, and I, at the time I was doing a radio show with Patrick Royce, Star Tribune columnist. Yep. And I'm sitting in, the, sitting in the prep room, and those guys are having a conversation about what we're going to do on the show that day. And my pupils were like four times the size they should have been. And, they, and I'm, I'm there, but I'm not there. And they look yeah. over and they're like, dude, you haven't said anything in 20 minutes. Are you going to chime in? And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> Urgent care. But it took, like, even for my dumb ass, like, just slipping on towels. It probably took, like, two while. weeks or something until I felt even sort of normal again. Right. It's <clears> – were you scared? Because I remember – After a week, I was scared because I was like, okay, how long – is this going to be a six-month thing, a forever thing? What is this? Did you feel like you were in a fog, like there was fog yes. around you at all times? Like, you're, like, constantly trying to get through the fog. And then – it I took me a half second longer to process what people were saying, too. Yes. You sit there and you're like, uh, yeah. Yep. They're like, dude, what's wrong with you? I remember my, one of my first ones I was playing, and I can't tell you where I was. Well, we were playing Arizona, but I can't tell you who came up to me. But I was on the plane after the game. I get hit in the game, right? And I think everything's going smooth, and I mean smooth. And we were winning. I'm like. And I must have blacked out for a minute because I wake up and I'm kind of on the plane. And one of the coaches is standing over there. He's got his hand on my shoulder. He's like, you back with us now, buddy? And I'm like, what the hell just happened? He's like, you were out of it for a minute there, buddo. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, I don't know, but everyone's really pissed at you. Apparently you started a lot of fights on the field and you were calling things the wrong plays and you were all over the place yelling at everybody and the defense was laughing at you because you were screaming at people. And I was like, man, that is so not like me. And I turned to my center, and he's like, it's good to have you back, buddy. Um, you're probably going to want to talk to Anthony. He's really pissed at you because you were yelling at him a lot in the game. And I'm like, why? And he's like, nobody knows. Uh, not sure what happened, but you You were like speaking you were- a different language. German, I think. Not really you're sure. Like, Dude, you thought run plays were pass plays and pass plays were run plays, and you were arguing with me with the call, and I was like – what do you say? He goes, I go Raider. And you were like, it's a Ricky, you idiot. And he's like, dude, it's a draw. What are you talking about? And you were like, it's a five-step. And he's like, dude, you are seriously knocked out right now. Football. This was pre, pre-concussion talk, right? Pre-concussion movie. Seriously. Yeah. No, it's – and now when it happens to a guy like Tua and it's nationally televised stuff, Thursday game after that stuff, it's just like – Well, that's because it was so, it was handled so poorly. The guy clearly was knocked out, and they put him back in the game. Everyone's like, oh, it's his back. It's his back. Like, dude, it's not his back. It's his, it's his back. Yeah, uh, no. I hate when they do that. It's his back. It's such a terrible thing to say. He twisted his ankle. No, right. he definitely cracked his head on, his the, shoulder, on the turf. Right? And then that guy from Cincinnati just slammed him down. Like, yeah, it's called a little, little outrageous. Bit I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a fan of that. I worry that we're not going to see Kirko chains anymore. We actually got an email today on Purple Daily, and someone raised a good point. So Kirk took the shirt off, showed off the eight-pack, the ripped abs, mm-hmm. had about uh, – people are – I keep saying like $100,000 in chains. People have said, dude, you're wildly underestimating how much money oh, those chains are worth. Sure. Wild. People are saying it's like a half million, whatever it is. But he then told the team, guys, I don't want it to be about me. I certainly don't want it on Instagram anymore, so I think I'm going to retire from wearing the chains. And then they had Patrick Peterson wear the chains after Buffalo. Mm. I don't know how this team gets its, gets its swagger back unless Kirk Cousins goes. Uh, Clark Kent needs to go back in the phone booth, come Just back out with the Superman costume, 
All right, I don't, I don't want this thing to have peaked in like week nine because Kirk refuses to put the chains on. So I'm a okay. little worried about Kirko chains here. So what if for his comeback he comes out with like the Superman thing and just rips it open and there are all the chains just there they hanging are. out, puts the glasses, <laughs> just goes crazy. Like that would just be hilarious, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> It'd be great if he came, comes back on this Thursday, just dominates, comes out walking out after the game. That'd be cool. He's got two turkey legs, chains. He's wearing tube socks, chains, and holding two turkey legs, and that's it. Just running around the field. Still wearing the socks from the game. No big deal. Uh, By the way, uh, shout out to our friends at Lake Ridge Liquors. So if you're looking, speaking of Thanksgiving, you're looking to maybe stock up for family gatherings this week, this weekend, maybe in a month from now, Lake Ridge Liquors in Vadness Heights has a massive wine selection. They've got Surly. They've got the Before I Die Tall Boys there. Uh, so, So check them out again. Lake Ridge Liquors in Vadness Heights, a new partner here at Score North and also on uh, Purple Daily and here on Trenches with Boone. So go support them. You support our sponsors. You support us. You keep the lights on around here. We will get into a little breakdown of what the hell happened with the offensive line, just uh, so you can tell us what the hell happened. But I did a little digging on this. You love when I do statistical research I projects. I know. Especially when you just throw them at me out of nowhere. Yeah. Sometimes I just make them up, and then you're like, oh, yeah, it sounds okay. That sounds that's good to me. such a lie. I've called you out on everyone you've made up. Like, wait a minute. that's Because you told me one time, like, I read this statistic, and it said, it says it's the play after a negative play, and if it was a positive play, it's a positive <laughs> number. If it's a negative, it takes the negative number back to the first down. I was like, dude, this doesn't Yeah, that's exactly what it was verbatim. No, I can't believe I'm you remembered you, it's it. The most made up, dude, I'm here. I promise you. So I was curious. Can you get your ass kicked at home like that and still be considered a Super Bowl contender? Like, have recent Super Bowl winners gotten smoked at home or gone off the cliff or something for a period of time and then obviously righted the ship and still won Super Bowls? And so the good news for the Vikings, now if this spirals, I'm with you. If they if they lose to New England or something and then, then they lose to the Jets, now it's a different conversation. Right. But last year, Kevin O'Connell's 2021 Super Bowl champion Rams the Rams got destroyed by the Titans. They got Didn't he smoked throw two interceptions. Yes. Yeah, Early in I the year remember. they actually got smoked at home by the Cardinals first and then yeah. then they got hot and then later it was like uh early November or something. The game you're talking about, they were down 28 to 9 in the fourth quarter to the Titans at home. They yeah. scored a garbage time touchdown. They went 35 calendar days without a win in November and early December. And then they figured it out in December. And obviously January, and well, they went on to win the Super Bowl. They tell, right. they, they tell you that, too, with really good teams and great coaches. Like, if you have a really old-school coach, he'll always break down a presentation about how, like, September's great, October's cool, November's extremely important, but if you can win December and keep the momentum going, you're probably the most dangerous team. And that's one of the things that, like, when you go into the playoffs, they'll look at their past games. Like, okay, they've won these last four games, and now they're in the playoffs. This team is deadly. This is why, because they have momentum. They mm-hmm. Nobody's going to stop them anymore. you got to go physically do it yourself. That's why people that freak out week 10, week 11, dude, we'll see you next year. Go home. Yeah. There's nothing to worry about. You're in the second seat. You were never going to jump Philly because they beat you outright. So nothing happened. And not only that, let's see, Chicago lost. By the way, are they in the fourth place in the division? They are. And then I think the Lions are now in second because they've won three straight. So what are you worried about? 
You don't even have to worry about that dude over in Green Bay right now. He is going to blow that building up himself before that last game. You just wait. I mean, he is so close to being like, dude, I'm setting the trigger right now. Don't worry. He's I mean, an office space so situation. He's going to grab a stapler and light the building on fire. Right? He's walking out the copier. <laughs> got my copier, my stapler, and uh, Randall Cobb are meeting up. Couple sleeveless shirts. Yeah. <laughs> we used to beat somebody's. It's so funny because every Packers fan I see, they like they just look at me and they start to get really sad and wallow. And I'm like, dude, it's okay to have one bad year every like thirty. It's okay. Live with them. They're like, you know sober, what though? But, but they, but for thirty years, good. this is where I clown Packer fans. Yeah, you guys, they got Super Bowls. The Vikings <laughs> don't. Uh, that's fine. But they also had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for thirty plus years and only got the two Super Bowl rings. That's so, true. no. But still, two more against two more than the Vikings have, and I get it. Think about it. When you're that spoiled, and you're always in the playoffs, and you're always a really good team, the minute you suck, people are just going to throw gas on that fire. And that's why everyone's doing it right now to the bike. Oh, I knew it. I told you. It's, Dude, it's week 11. I don't think we've hit the halfway point yet. How many games did they add on this year? Let it go. It's it's a quick turnaround. It's a great – if it were the worst-case scenario, like you lost the game and now you're walking into the best case, it's the fact that you can just take that tape and throw it behind you and be like, okay, we're going to watch all the low lights and move on. Nobody did anything good in this game. Here's where we get better. Boom, 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 boom. And honestly, those games happen so fast that you're you're just like – your body kicks it into overdrive because you're like, I have to be healthy by Thursday. I have to be feeling good. It's Thanksgiving. There's so much rush, adrenaline rushing through your body. You know you just got your faces smashed in. Everyone's reminding you all week. You're talking about this good Patriots team. Like, it sets up for a really awesome Thanksgiving Day game, if you ask me. It's, uh, I love that they added the third game like 10 years ago, too. Right? So you, you start at 11 in the morning or whatever, and then you Never just enough. Maybe, maybe take a nap during the Lions game every year. And, then... and you know what's that's so you start with the day with your turkey bowl and then you go right into a nice game. You take your nap for the Lions game and then you wake up and watch this. It's gonna be clutch. Yes. Um. Another, I was gonna bring up the 2020 Buccaneers in this bin too, but anything involving Tom Brady is just like a unicorn. But they did Magical. get smoked 38 to three at home by the Saints. They fell to seven and five after 12 games. They figured it out in December. But Tom Brady. Here's one more for you. The 2012 Ravens, probably a better comp because it was Don't. Joe Flacco Don't. as a quarterback. Don't. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I know this hits a sore spot Don't. for you, right? <laughs> Don't even say so, that stupid statistic. So they started 9-2. and two. They imploded in December. They lost like five of their last six down the stretch or something. And then it clicked in January, uh, including a revenge game against Denver who beat the crap out of them at home. And then they had a pretty easy cakewalk in the Super Bowl against uh, oh. a weak San Francisco 49ers they, team, if I remember. Yeah. Did they have a cakewalk? Did <laughs> I thought the go? offensive line for San Francisco could have uh, could have been a little stronger in that Definitely game myself. Play better. Yeah. We played like a bunch of pussies. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> uh, do you want to, speaking of, do you want to break down some Vikings do offensive it. line film here? Do it. I love breaking down film. All right. Let's, uh, let's pull this up here. This is you So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. Make it bigger. Come on. I will, I will. You can see, of course, uh, my labels on the top here. Uh, one of them is Kirk Murdered by Cowboys. Mm. So let me pull this up here full, full screen for you guys and the audience, okay? This is what I love. So, look, at this, uh, look at this front right here, dude. You're talking about an overload with – is that is that Curse walked up in the middle? Uh, J. Ron Curse, former, former Viking here. You're looking Boy, at he, this right here. He sure did want to make a statement, didn't he? I'm right here in the middle. 
Dude, this he did is a, a sweet he run. did a, a mocking skull chant after his sack in the second half too. Of course. So this is the third play of the game, and we do have the we have the end zone view of this too. You want to see the end zone view, or do you want this one? This is fine. Start with this. One. Okay. By the way, if you're listening on audio, we're 30, 33 minutes in. This is a good time if you want to flip over to the YouTube so you can see the visual here. But all right, so tell us what you see, Booney. Oh, we got an old, we got a loaded front to the left. See three pass rushers. There you go. And you got two on the right. And then you got my dude walked up because, look, he sees it's empty, and he knows. Decisions need to be made. The ball needs to get out quick. That's why you see a lot of those guys are press covered because they're like, listen, we're either faking this blitz really well and we're all going to drop to zone or he's bringing it and we got to play tight because the ball's coming out right now. Because you would think, obviously, <clears throat> with Micah Parsons, and this is actually probably strategically done to put Micah to the left, right, because they know that you're never going to squeeze to that side. Right, you're never going to leave Micah Parsons unblocked. That would be numero uno, never do number one. But by the way, he kind of looks a little offside too, doesn't he? I mean, that is like this is a weird. That's eh, kind of we're a weird getting angle, really right? close, buddy. I don't know. Those I don't know. That, that looks like he's been, onside there. <laughs> those <laughs> sideline officials have been sketchy for years, and I mean years. Don't get me started. Well, the Buffalo. I don't know if if, if this came down in time, but the the Buffalo game last week, the the quarterback sneak that was stopped. There was a a side view that showed like three Bills players just blatantly oh. lined up in the neutral zone for that yeah. play. So. They always lined up in the neutral zone. It drives me nuts. Somebody say something. So uh, I'll roll uh, this here. This is we all know what happens here is Kirk so we're in gone protection someone. here. <clears throat> we're in gone protection. We're in a three by two. Probably in a gone right tells the right side you're on the squeeze. Obviously, you see, look, they're sliding to the left. You're not going to leave Mike alone. When not? you say gone protection, what does that mean? Gone. It means everybody's gone. It tells the O-line there's nobody in the backfield. So, okay. like, a so lot a of times. So, a three-by-two gone protection means three offensive linemen slide one way and two slide the other way with no help? No, no. It could, you could slide it any way you want, but gone tells you that all the running backs are gone. Get it? So, mm-hmm. now you know there's only five O-linemen blocking. It's a, it's a big term used in two-minute two. Uh, we used to call it Bentley because it meant fast, like everyone's getting out fast. But it's gone, 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 gone right, gone left. And the left and the right tells you which side has the squeeze or duel. We call it a duel. If the guard and the tackle, like right here, go back, to, go to my, uh, go to the uh, end zone. No, I can't stand looking at receivers. All right, so right here. <laughs> get the, let's get the skill position so guys out of here. Let's just go straight trenches right now. Straight yes. trenches right here, baby. You know I only love this film. Got a lot of dudes up there. We're in gone right protection. So he's telling him, listen, I'm going to the left. We're probably going to point to Micah Parsons because he at times is a run, is a linebacker, right? So we'll go to a, a lucky or a lion to him. We would probably say lucky here because, say, Micah, in the rarest case ever were to drop and somebody else were to come, right? And you say lion. You shut that tackle's eyes down right away. So if something comes outside, even though you said gone protection, other way. You shut him down at, at Micah. Now, would he, if he was savvy enough and smart enough, he would know to kick outside. Some here in here is a lion to 11. Now, to the right side, this is where your problems come up. 27's walked up in here. See how 67 takes a second to get out of his stance? It's because he's checking to see if he's coming. And what they normally tell these guys to do, and I never agreed with this, is to set down and then out. Because they always say you want to secure the A-gaps. But I always used to set out and then in because the inside guy weighs a lot less than that outside okay. guy. You know what I'm saying? So you're saying you're saying Ed Ingram is primarily focused on the safety in the box here. Yes. And and it, and, and, and the action comes from the left side. But. You can see, see how you see both his horns? See who he's looking at? 
he's looking at 55, which really means he's looking at 27 because he knows that if 27 comes, he has 55. That's why they're okay. telling you. You have this duel. We call this a duel when the guard and the tackle have to read everybody from the A-gap over, and you have to take the two most dangerous. So and right here, everything from the A-gap to the left is handled. Is Bradbury – well, it's well, it's handled on paper. <laughs> no, no. And it it winds up very thing. much oh, not yeah. being handled. But no, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yes, on paper, this is handled any way you call it, right? Like if they yeah. bring somebody to the outside of this, you got us. We can't really do much. But the chances of you bringing somebody outside and dropping curse all the way across to the other side, that's a risk you're going to have to take because that receiver out there to the left that knows he's hot. So the minute he sees that guy rushing, he's going to break in or he's going to look for the ball right now. You know what I'm saying? So okay. you would you would beat them on that. That that's a that's an easy. One but of the, the complaints problem. actually is that from fans, anyways, you know, idiots like me, is that it sometimes seems like because they it's, the Vikings do a lot of empty backfield sets. It feels like offensively, mm-hmm. and that that Kirk doesn't have great hot options on some of these that it, it turns into like, oh my god, he's holding onto the ball and there's and there's nothing under. When you watch Vikings games in general. Do you think that there are enough hot routes or options for Kirk when there's pressure maybe underneath where he doesn't have to throw the ball 15 yards down the field? I'd say it's up and down. There was a couple games that we've talked about this year where we were like, hey, we need better hot routes out of these guys, or we need more options out here. Like, I think I want to say the Miami game. Remember that? They kept running two routes, and we were like, dude, you need to get another guy in in the somewhere in his vision. But that's all dependent on the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some games you go in saying, hey, we're going to try and stick with this game plan. Now, it might not work for two quarters, and then you go in at halftime, like, hey, we're going to bail on this, and we're going to go back to what we know. But there's some games that I think that they do do a good job. Like, there was a game where I can't remember we were talking about it, but he threw it, like, 30 yards down the field for a first down, and he had Dalvin Cook 10 yards, or, you know, wide open. Does Dalvin make it? Maybe. Does he normally throw that ball? Probably. But it was a risky throw that he was willing to make. Like, you guys don't always see the times that there are outlets or it's true. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes people are expecting to see M routes and that's where the running back runs like a half M out of his way. Like he arcs releases out of there. We call those M routes or he'll run a Texas route and they just don't show them. You know what I'm saying? But they, they're there. I promise you. But the problem becomes here. If 27 comes, you're hot off 90 or because you would assume 55 would come. But here they dropped both of them, which kind of surprised me, but they were wanting to play a different coverage. Like, I thought that they would challenge, if anybody, the right guard a little bit more than anybody. But here, they dropped those two, and you know my theory. If anything, I would always look to help my tackle. But these guys are different. Brian this is amazing trust, too, right? They're kind of saying, we trust you, Christian, against anyone. Who? Derisaw. Oh, I wouldn't they, you? He's proven yeah, that he can play well. Here I agree. Anybody. That's why I said as soon as this play happened, it was very uncharacteristic of him. He kind of hold like the first part of this play too, because your job is to do this for about two and a half, three seconds, and then all bets might be off after that. But it doesn't right? feel like that. It doesn't feel yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like two seconds. It feels like right it's here, all I mean, this day. Is, he dropped He's doing you know, great. He does right a great here, job of setting. Look. If you go back, he punches him. He actually gets his left hand on the inside. If he could grab him, he would definitely have had the rep. But see right there, there's a little bit of miscontact. And then see how this hand, Micah Parsons takes his outside hand, and he just slightly removes it. And it's kind of like Darisaw is, like, stuck in mud. And that, to me, was a red flag. Like, hey, he might not be back to what he – like, right there. See that? A little hand fight like this. He, he basically grabs Darisaw's hand and just moves it. But 
that's what they're taught to do. And that's why everybody saw Aaron Donald working with that knife because they're always taught oh, to work right. hands. Remember? That's why that that's a lot of guys do those drills. And was that a real knife? Guaranteed it was. You know it was. Look, you can tell, too, this team must be coached to grab because if you go back and look on the right side, look at Demarcus Lawrence. What's the first thing he does? He grabs he's grabbing hands. Wrist. Oh, look, he's grabbing no, no, no. hands. You grab his wrist. That's when you're yeah. the most powerful. If you grab my hand, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, don't break my finger. Don't be like that. But if you grab my wrist, you have all the power in my body. You take it from me. It's And that's why you never want them to grab you. And they don't call that. That, that type of hand yeah, or no, wrist fighting? No. That's totally legal. But Brian does a great job of recovering here. See how he gets back? <clears throat> Time and space will always save you. He does a great job. And here, I mean... Is there it's nothing t- here for Kirk? There's nothing here for Kirk? Right, I mean, right there. Obviously, there is right there. Look at Hawk- Hawkinson's Hawkinson, second level here. Right there. But throw it. You have to he's, throw it. He's bailing, he's bailing now. But Hawkins, look, I mean, this is, where, this is where fans like me get mad at Kirk. That, to me, again, I am sitting here, a glass of wine in on a Tuesday night, having played some Madden in my life. And this looks like doing. this is a clean pocket for the first part of this play. Yeah. And TJ Hawkinson is – and Kirk knows he's running a route over the top here, right? Yeah. So it, it <laughs> depends Kirk on – Kirk another route. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Does he know the route? Right. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not – it's a rhetorical question, right? No, but this so, makes me think that it was a quick route too because the other running mesh. This is called mesh, this route they're running in the front, and they run and they call it mesh because they want to rub it like mesh. But see how, like, Vanderesh kind of gets stuck? But I think it's because he knows that – Curse is over the top on the other side, so he's waiting for KJ to come. See how he takes off with KJ, and then he knows. But like right, uh, and, then you, and it's a problem because Mike Solari always said it's not fair to critique somebody when you're sitting down in a nice cold room. But this is one of those things where like, could he have made that throw right there? Yeah, you'd have to have a lot of faith. And like I said, sometimes faith comes with problems, right? You throw that ball, safety's got a nice beat, <laughs> he's got a nice read on it. I mean, you don't know what's running through Kirk's mind. Yeah. Well, right here, panic is running through his mind because now he knows, oh, God. Well, I think they also probably didn't realize how fast Mike Parsons really was. I mean, the guy plays linebacker, too, for a reason. Not easy to play linebacker in this league. So this sack was credited. This is the first sack credited to Christian Derrissaw all season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a tough one because Kirk doesn't get rid of the ball here, and now there's a, now, now Parsons is getting a second wave on this play. And Kirk Kirk tries to extend it, rolling out, compounds it by poor ball security, and now the ball's on the ground. Now we got problems. He's now we got big problems. It. He's just yeah. It's one of those bad. ones you just dive in there head first. I'll get it. Hope so I mean, so I guess you know, in terms of things that could have been different, because this this play kind of set the tone for everything. It just all of a sudden the Cowboys get three free points and. Great you know. play if it's a, if it's man. It's a great play. He's got the mesh right there. Yeah. One of them comes alive. But then you can see right there, Thielen sees the zone. He's like, oh, boy, he got trouble. That's tough. It's all right. Listen, bad things happen in football. That's what this game is for. You move on. All right, let's, um, let's, let's do another one. Next. I love let's that. Go. I don't know what plays you're pulling. Let's go. I can't Kirk. even read it right now. What is it? Kirk say? gets murdered by the Cowboys. Okay. <laughs> Here's another one for you. Yeah, um, 
do you want? So they're at their own 15 yard line. Most of mm. these are like third and long plays. So are, know, do you want do you want the the end zone view or do you want to look at the? Let's see the sideline first. Okay. Let's see which one this is. I think this is early. I believe this is early in the third quarter when they're trying to get something going here, but they're down by like four touchdowns. Let's Excellent like a zone game. defense. I'll log it. I'll log it. A little Chippy McChipperson down there with Dalvin. Oh, oh yeah. Chip. That chip was definitely much needed, buddy. Oh, I remember seeing this one live. The overset. No chance, man. And this Poor is tough. Kirk. Yeah. Kirk it's probably tough. should have been out of the game by this point. All right. We'll get to the, get to the all-22 uh, end zone view here. All right, if this is the play I'm thinking about, um, this is over Ed Ingram, right? So this is the problem that I'm seeing with a lot of college kids, especially because I have to watch a lot of their film now. Over Ed Ingram, yeah, yes, yes. They overset a lot. They don't realize that when you're in this league, go back to when he puts his hand out. No, no, no. The deep defenders go back to play. Yeah. And wait till he puts his hand down. And... Stop. Right there. All right. Draw a line right down his shoulder with his arm now. Oh. A little bit. Maybe a little bit wider. Like wider to the left? Or this is where we got to get Cover up. Draw a line right down his arm. Gotcha. Over his shoulder. Cover up his shoulder. There you go. All right. That's as wide as you're allowed to set. You're not allowed to set any wider than that. If If you're Ingram. If you're at Ingram. Because then you're oversetting him. When you overset these guys, and if you've noticed, all these guys in here, I believe, are defensive ends, right, which is the newest fat. And we talked about it for weeks, about how they're moving guys out. Like, look at the left side. Here we are again, head up over the tackle, right? Like, we're, we're forcing these guys to cover tons of ground when they're not used to it. And the problem is you get so out of control. But when you have young players, the one thing that I don't think people teach them enough is to stop oversetting. And when you overset someone, it would – you like right here, Ed's right foot should not go outside that line. It has to go at a tight angle. You're gonna kick out of your left leg. You're gonna drive out, and you're gonna catch yourself with your right foot right at that where that line is with your right foot. One kick, and you're just gonna play ball. But at times they're taking like two, three kicks, and they're going to head up. And when you go head up, you give a defender a three-way go. As long as you don't overset them, they can only rush you outside or down the middle. Because if they go inside, it's a death sentence. You, they, you're just going to punch them right in the side of the face. Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you just basically gave up on this rep. They, they don't even consider that trying that unless they're dead and gassed. But that's why, and I know we haven't even played it, and it might not be the right play, but the play that I saw, he overset. So let's play it see what happens. One other thing, too, that you've pointed out a bunch of times this season, it feels like defenses are spreading out very wide, right? So that they're, it, it's, you, don't, you don't see defenders lining up you know, third down, right? be, between the guards and over no. Bradbury as much. Ever. Do, do you, this is third down, right? Third, I think yes. third and 15. Yep. Number one, you're in a three-point stance. Oh, look what I tell you. What did I tell you? I need to see this play. See that big kick? I see where he's going. All your weight's going outside. This is a problem that guys have. Now, he, in his mind, number one, get your hand off the ground. 
I don't care who you are. You need to be up. You need to see what's going on. Why? Because look at everybody around you. They're telling you a story. They're like, hey, we have so much confidence in our D-line right now. We're going to give you the next 10 yards. Pause it right there. These are things that people don't realize. Where's my nearest linebacker? Can anyone point him out 11 like yards here. away? Yeah. So now if I'm a good old lineman and I have my head up and my hand off the ground and I look to my left and I see those dudes over there and these guys over here and I'm like, okay, got it. Good chance they're probably not going to leave the middle of the field open. So somebody's probably going to move somewhere. Someone's going to twist somewhere. Someone's going to do something so that they sh- we shut down the draw, right? Like, And I know this is only third and 15, but say assume these guys just rushed outside and they left the middle of the field wide open. I would almost tell Kirk, dude, you got to go for it. <laughs> you just got to run, right? <laughs> Chariot guys- of fire playing in the back. Go crazy. But as an old lineman and as a good old lineman, I know they're not going to do that. So I should be thinking people are going to be moving all over. I should have my hand up, and I should be getting off the ball. Get depth off the ball. It will always save me because then I have space and time to figure out what's going on in front of me. But if I just jump out of here and overset and he goes inside like he's about to, then I have no chance of catching him. Look. I'm so why why is he moving that far to his right? Because he's in a game. He's in a live game, and his body's like, you got to cover this guy up, but he's not realizing you don't need to cover him up that much, and it's these college kids, and they're constantly taught you got to get out there. Dude, that is way too big of a kid. Way too big. I don't even – who is 56? Fowler? Dante Fowler? Uh, I believe so, yes. I'm, I'm so bad with numbers. I should he, I should have the roster in front of me. He kind of looks like Cam Chancellor. He's probably 240 pounds. I would set him so tight and throw my hands like I was going to try and take his head off because I know that even if I miss and I get a glancing blow, he's going to hit the ground, right? But here you overset, and then you're using your inside arm to catch him. Like, please, oh, no, this is my last resort. He actually okay. takes two kicks. But that's the problem with these young guys. They don't know this, and it's not their fault that they don't know. They haven't had reps. They haven't practiced it enough. And then you get out in a live game against someone who's super disciplined in a Dan Quinn defense. And Dan Quinn's like, look, boys, you got to be – look, look how many guys just moved around. you got the right D tackle coming all the way over to the left. The left defensive end's looping all the way back around. So even if you don't get this sack here with 56, he's going to pick Bradbury enough that Bradbury's not going to be able to get Micah Parsons coming around this side. Yeah. Dude, it's one of these things where – this, this is super, super figured out before it happens. You just got to look up and start realizing it. Mm. This is fascinating. But let's do one more here. I want to do it's one a, more, and then we can. Oh, dude, you know I love this stuff. This is, uh, so this is another Micah Parsons sack here. And I think, to me, this is interesting because it's kind of an autopsy of why did this game happen the way that it did? What are some things, and, and I, I don't view this as, we're not trying to, like, dump on Ed Ingram. He's got a no. ton of potential. He's got a huge ceiling. To me, this is interesting just to hear from a guy, Alex Boone, who started in a freaking Super Bowl, made a 10-year NFL career out of it, was one of the best guards in the league for a period. You know, what what can be better? So that's this is not meant to – I think every week we're kind of – it's on me. Like, I'm pulling these Eddie Green clips, but, you know, there's some stuff to be learned. There's some stuff to be learned. Listen, this is this is a learning tool for everybody. Just because, and I think a lot of guys are afraid at times to have their film put up there, and especially in the rooms, they were afraid to get like kind of. And it's not like you're trying to be insulted. It's much critiquing, you know, like hey, don't overset. Yeah. Like in at times, like silly things, like having your hand on down on third and fifteen. Yeah, that'll piss me off. 
This dude is third and 15. They, Why is everyone everyone knows it's a pass, right? Nobody yeah. cares at like, this point. We're down 40 to 3. Put your hand <laughs> up and please look at somebody. Like, figure out what's going on up here with us. And it, young guys, at times, they're afraid to. And I think it's because they're comfortable in what they know. And you have to pull them out of it. And sometimes it's like you said, dude, you've won eight of your nine games. It's hard when you start getting your face kicked in to be like, hey, buddy, we're okay. We need to start moving. We need to start picking it up. We need to start doing this. You got to have more recognition. And you th- and like guys think you're coming down on them, and you're like, dude, I'm not. I'm just I'm here to win. And at times we can't be super nice about it. We have to just get straight to the point. And it comes yeah. off really harsh. And I don't mean it to, but it, that's just the nature of the game. It's a violent game. How do people not expect it to be a little yeah. bit harsh? So this play, this is I think this is still first quarter here, but. The Cowboys had scored two or three times. I, I don't remember the exact score here, but this is this is a drive. The Vikings are trying to either tie the game or they might be down 13-3 to three at this point, and they've moved the ball almost to midfield. So they're all right, coming back. They hit a big pass to Thielen, I believe. Yep. But this is now a key third down here, mm-hmm. and and you're not yet to midfield. But you, you kind of need points here because Dallas has been running right through your defense, right? So here we go. Shotgun again. Uh, tell me what you see. And we'll go to the, we got the end zone footage here too, so we can go to that after. Here we go. What a nice little. Shoot. Cover two. We got guys running. Oh, it looks, you know what this looks like? Tampa too. Look at Mike running down the field. And that's, one of the things that you can shut down an offense with if you have somebody like um, Leighton Vander, somebody that can actually run down the middle. See how he's running down the middle here? I don't know. Who is that curse? One of them. You're talking right, 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 right up here? Yeah. Shuts down to see how Hawkinson's trying to cut through the middle. He's just waiting there the whole time. Now, Thielen's, he, coming, Thielen's coming open here over the middle, but it's also like yeah, 12 yards shy of the, of the marker on a – on this hey, he, for everybody that was bitching about his quick outlet, there he is. Yeah. And I might be mistaken. This might have been. No, it's a third down. This is a third down. But I don't know. I mean, the problem is on this route, like Thielen doesn't. Let, let's say you complete that pass to Thielen. I mean, there's three defenders right here that are just going to swallow him up. Right? No, so, that's great. Yeah, they're, they're uh, pretty good defense today. All right. Here's, all the, right. All, here's the end zone. Show me what I want to see, baby. Oh, my goodness. I get wider by the second. Look at, like this, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> look at hey, this. Look at this, dude. But you see how 33 is in there now because they're like, wait, four's in the back. <laughs> now we got to plug up the middle now, boys. But hey, like right here. You know what? Screw it. We're going power. Dude, we don't have a tight end. Who cares? Just run it. Like, who cares? Give it to four. No, go ahead. Play. That's my old lineman and me talking. All right, tell me we got a chip going on to Marcus Lawrence here. Tell me we got something going. Don't make so you're going to see your – so Hawkinson looking for a chip here. Dude, don't make this for nothing. Number four, well, this is crazy to me. We're probably sliding left because look at Delvin. He's looking at 27 the whole time. And when you say sliding left, you mean from the offensive line's perspective? Bradbury. Yeah, whenever we say Brad, slide, to, we're always talking about a slide protection goes to your Sam and your Wills, right? But when you, I know, but when you say slide left, you're that thinking – yeah. I know, but as we're we're looking at this, our left would mean 
You know what I'm saying? Like, oh no, I'm not talking mirror. Yeah, I'm talking left side of the old line. Always. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I say left side, I always mean left side of the old line. Got it. So the left side sliding because it looks like Dalvin's staring down Kirsten the entire time. Oh, look at that. He just starts looking out. How many defenses you think are like, hey, by the way, we know which way they're going now, right? True story. A lot of people figure that stuff out by that. Running backs, and I feel bad for it because they have a lot to do, but they give away a lot. Like you can yeah. tell right here. I mean, we haven't even seen this play, and I can already tell you where he's going. But also, too, because they're probably not going to leave my man at left tackle by himself up there, right? Yeah, so this is, yeah, that's a key distinction. Derrissaw is out of the game at this point. This is Blake Brandle playing left tackle. Important to know. Because you're probably like, wait a minute, why are we always sliding left? That's why. Number one, here we go. I don't know where the problem's going to show up, but let's just say this. Ed Ingram, stop flashing. Never flash. See how he throws his hand right there? You never want to do that because it makes you slow to punch. Because you have to pull back and then punch again. It's like a wasted motion. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So see how close 92 gets to him? And I think that's Armstrong. Because when Cordell, yep. you know, I have to do a film on them. Um, See how he kind of right there, see how close he gets to his body, and see how he hasn't opened up. Like, he, he's just, you got to throw your hands. You're a big dude. Throw him. Right there. Just throw him. Brian's trying to protect. See, he does a great job with his inside hand. See right there. He's got his hand on 92. He's feeling him. So he's, he's feeling him here. And he's looking. He's a, a and he's like, help. hey, listen, if too much of this pressure, if this pressure gets too heavy on my left hand, I'm really going to start slowing it down because I don't want to create a big loop in here. Big hole, right? Problem is, when you don't get a punch on him at guard, it kind of leaves your tackle out to dry a little bit. But, anyways, go back. So, here's the problem. Go back. Problem number one. If I'm the left guard, we're going to switch sides for a second. If I'm the left guard, I know what my problem is. It's our backup left tackles in. And then, like, number one pass rusher in the NFL is lined up out there. Now, we're sliding out there. So I know in my mind that I've already told the center, hey, if 54 comes inside, I'm giving you a hand and I'm gone. Why? Because I'm not an idiot, okay? I know what everyone's trying to do here. And I know there's a chip probably coming from the outside, which is going to force him in. And I need to be there because I don't have a man here. I have a gap. We're in a slide protection. But the same damn problem happens again. You miss with your hand, and now you're leaning, right? You shouldn't even be looking at 54. You should be looking at 11 the entire time. And you should be letting 11 know right here at this moment, I am going to break your face open. Like you see this moment right here where he kind of comes in and he has no hands? It's at that moment that you drop the crown of your helmet and you put it through his skull. And you probably say something like, don't ever come back in here again or I'll kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to warn the dude a little bit because you can't just let this dude go hack and sack all over the place like he is right here. He's not, he's, he basically sees the chip and he's like, no, nah, no, I'm just going to avoid it completely. And so, this is what, this, at what point what should Cleveland about. have moved off of 54 then? Because that's what you're saying, right? He's got he's to move go off back. 54. Well, number one. I bear his two turns. Got to get back. Get back. Like, in your mind, you should be thinking, no matter what, we just have to protect the left tackle. Why? Because we don't want this dude to give up another sack. We don't want this guy to lose it in his mind, right? And see how, like, go back. Ezra's staring at 54 the entire time he's coming in. The minute he makes that move, you throw your inside hand super hard and jolt him. 
He's a linebacker. Jolt him. Hit him super hard. Let Bradbury get there, and it kind of looks like he's getting rushed out of there. Right about one more frame. There. See how he's kind of turned? See how turned he is? Mm-hmm. You got Ezra le- leaning, and I can tell he's leaning because look how straight his leg is here, and I can tell you his back leg is straight too. So he's leaning in his upper body, right? That's not good. All the while, this left tackle, Brendel, you've already officially overset. See how Micah's foot, his outside foot, is not past your outside foot? You've overset him. You've given him a three-way go, and he's the best rusher in the NFL. And the problem, too, is go back. When you transition back in, see how that inside foot drops back? Never want to do that. If anything, you take your knee and you break it on his knee. Because if you give up that rush lane like that, you absolutely have no power. And we call that opening the gate. You just open it right up to him. Instead of making contact, grabbing him, and trying to drive him in, right? That that movement right there is what costs that sack. So you're saying he should But he it's should really be... not his fault. Because technically, yeah. by the letter of the law, and you'd always have a center in there somewhere, some snippety little Harvard grad, right? Like, just... <laughs> pissing people off every damn day. Like, well, technically, that's not the tackle's gap. That's the guard's well, gap. That was so he a, awfully been specific. A center from Harvard. Oh, good. Technically, the guard was supposed to be there. It's his sack. And you're like, yeah, you're right. It is kind of Ezra's fault. Why? Because it's the number one pass rusher in the NFL and a backup left tackle. Like, you didn't even look out there until the sack was happening. And then he was like, oh, my God, I forgot. Bradbury's like, how did you end up on top of me, and who are you blocking? You should hear some of the conversations on the ground. <laughs> Dude, if you're here, who's blocking that. your guy? Nobody. <laughs> I need to know if these two dudes just about 600 pounds of guys just laying in this <laughs> I don't lie, like on 500 pounds. They're like 250 pounds each. You're probably right, yeah. You're uh, probably right. If they, if they were 600 pounds, maybe they wouldn't give up seven sacks in a but game, that's what I'm for saying. God's sakes. Come on. Like, and this is what comes back to, like, because I played the swing tackle role for a year, and I know how hard it is to come into games that are super hyped up, and you're like, man, this guy's been kicking the shit out of the left tackle. Now i got to go play left tackle, and I'm not even warmed up. You're like, dude, this sucks. But that's why you're a pro. And if you want to be in this league, yeah, it's easy to fall back on that was Micah Parsons. That's one of the best pass rushers. Like, oh, I only gave up two, three sacks to him. Yeah, it's no big deal. But if you really want to be in this league, you would have been out there dogfighting that dude. You'd have been in there watching film. This is why, guys, and it's so critical that the backups are always paying attention. Because when you get thrust out into a game like that, and you're relying on a guy who maybe not have been watching any film all week, you're like, dude, this is, this is going to go so bad. They're like, if you come out there, they're like, ah, center will be like, over. I thought they played an under front. Oh, my God, that was last week. Are you yeah. serious? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Just in your stance, like, pray for me. <laughs> pray for him. <laughs> the guy behind me. I'm kidding. Poor, I'm poor Kirk just sitting back there, man. Like, he's – he he can't – that's the thing. It's like when, when your offensive line is getting worked like this, Oh, he's not, not the guy you want back there because he can't. He's, he's not Lamar Jackson, Josh Haley. He's not going to just run out of the pocket and keep a play alive. I'm not, I'm not banging on him. but No, but I'm not saying – that's not – like for every good 
thing that that helps, like this extending the plays. Look at all the bad that it does, too. There's times where extending the play can cost you 15 yards in a sack, right? Or and an injury this, or something. Right, and something crazy, an interception, because you just got too crazy, and then all of a sudden people are mad the other way. So when you're looking at this, like, yeah, you don't want Kirk to get hit. He's not the guy you want back there getting peppered every day. Like we said before, as long as you don't make this a routine thing, you come out this Thursday, and you do your business against Belichick, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, all right, it's Choose Your Adventure here to wrap the podcast. Do you want to talk? So you were very adamant a couple weeks ago that, and a lot of people were, hell, I saw Bill Cowerlight got emotional just ripping the Colts for the Jeff Saturday move, saying it's a disgrace, and so he kind of echoed your thoughts. Yeah. Jeff Saturday did win his first game and then came yeah, back and, God, and right? lost to the Eagles in kind of dramatic fashion. And Nick Sirianni after the game said he's friends with Frank Reich and said this one was for Frank Reich. So we can either dive into that or you can rank your three favorite Thanksgiving foods or both if you want to run the hurry up here. I mean, we can do it all. I mean, okay. I think number one, Nick Sirianni is becoming my favorite coach just because he has a adapted to Philly so well. He has taken their mindset and been like, I'm going to thrust us into the world. I mean, when he ran by that Colts bench, and I sent you that because it, it, if you scroll to the next one, it's the actual video of him running by the bench after the win, and he makes yeah. a good, good effort to run right up to the stands and scream that as he runs by. So you know things are going on. But there are a lot of guys that feel the way I do. There's a reason that we kind of feel that way. And there's times, and I've said this before, where I give coaches a ton of us. And I do, because they're easy to poke fun of, and they take things very seriously, and it's fun to do. I love them to death. But I think that sometimes there's a lot of guys that get overlooked. And I was thinking about it that day that we talked about it, like a guy like Tom Rathman, who I'm not saying has deserved a head coaching job, but a guy that has put in more detail into his third down blitz prep than Jeff Saturday's ever put into a game. Like, Tom Rathman's clips were so perfect, and he would get so into it. And his pictures were so detailed. And he'd draw you the top ten blitzes from first down, second down, third down, third and long, third and short. He'd give you everything. And it was every week. There wasn't one week in, like, the eight years I played with him that he didn't have the most detailed reports. And guys loved him. And I think about a guy like Tom Moore, who coached for 50-some years. Was like one of the greatest gurus, one of the funniest guys when I actually got to talk to him. I was like, I did not picture this. Like a Randy Moss type thing. Like did not see this coming. Was so much better than I expected. Awesome guy. And then like, I'm not bagging on a former player because I love Jeff Saturday. I think he's, what he did for the game is great. But I think that to take that job over so many other deserving people, especially like a Leslie Frazier, and that's where I think this is starting to go. And people are kind of, like, getting pissed. Like, Mike Tomlin today was like, no comment. Yeah. They're like, dude, I'm pissed. It's kind of BS. You're going to pass over a guy like Leslie Frazier, who's had a phenomenal defense. And, yeah, it didn't work out when he was here. We played him when he was here, and they beat us in the Brett Favre play, which will still go down as one of the craziest. That's ever. right. I forgot you were on the field <laughs> for that. But, well, not on the field. You were on the sidelines when that play happened. But You think about that stuff, and you're like, dude. Guys like that get passed over all the time, and they put so much work in and so much effort. And half of them are divorced, and their kids don't talk to them. And they're like, dude, I'm here because I love you guys, and I love the camaraderie, and I love to do this, and I love to be around this. And, like, I'm not only mad at, like, the Jeff Saturdays, but I think about, like, the Freddie Kitchen hires. You know what I'm saying? 
after having met these coaches and you're like, I remember when Freddie got hired, they called me. They were like, can you believe that? I was like, not a chance I could believe that Freddie Kitchens would be a head coach in the NFL <laughs> ever. And then that happened. Like, they just all down their way. And it was like, well, now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> like, Freddie used to come into our rooms and say things, and I was like, guys are goofball. Like, I couldn't imagine him being a head coach. You know what I'm saying? And Freddie Kitchens is a great football, football name, though, I will say that. Right. And he's a, he's a great guy, and he's a funny guy, but he's just not head coach material. Like, you think of a head coach, you think of a guy that can handle pressure situations, super calm, has been there, has done it, has wrangled people in, has kind of gone through the ringer, and you were like, you know what, this dude's a little battle-tested. I heard from some guy that a guy he knows got into a fight with this guy at a bar and beat the shit out of him. Like, guy's pretty cool in my book. You know, not like – and then you look at all these guys that do constant film study and upkeep and constantly making sure you know what's going on. And then all of a sudden they all just get passed up and they're like, dude, this is just like BS. I don't blame them either. It's it's a lot of work. And I think coaches, I mean, I remember a time when coaches were sleeping at the facility, religious, like every one of them had a cot in their room. And I was like, you guys don't really sleep here, right? That <laughs> seems counterproductive. I, I, I like that there's a... A new no. generation that values, like, let's get a couple hours of sleep at home and be with the wife and kids for a minute. Anyways. Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm probably the only guy that ever really says this and means it. But this new age, it's a bunch of BS. I'm telling you right now. You're seeing this. This is crappy football all over. Like, everyone's playing crappy football at times. And you're like, it didn't used to be like this. There was That's a fair. time when there was 20 juggernauts in the league and you were like, hey, our schedule is riddled with good teams, good players, good guys. You know they're going to come in and be disciplined. I mean, look at the flags. They're all over the field. And I'm not saying that all of them are really justified, but I'm just saying that, number one, the flags have obviously gone up. Two, the play has gone way down. And it's all because of this new age. It doesn't have to be regimented. There's a reason that things used to be so disciplined. And it was because in a frantic situation, what are you going to do? Are you going to rely on your roots and your core and your foundation of, hey, I know how to wake up. I did this. I worked to be here. I'm not afraid of you. I, dude, you don't want to know what i got to go back home to on Monday. These coaches are going to murder me. Not, well, it's week five. We're out of pads. Good to go, guys. We're going to be healthy for Sunday. Nobody cares if you're healthy, if you don't have the right beat, if you're not on the right rhythm. If you're not all out there going like, you know what, I'm ready for this. I can't even feel my face since week three. Who cares anyways? My finger broke in week six. My back blew out in eight. I'm good to go. Whatever. What could you throw at me that would scare me? Now, guys, I go, God, I think I broke a nail. My goodness. <laughs> you're, you're not even that old. You're like in your 30s. You, you, you sound like a guy who's 62 when you talk this way, but you bring up a good point. It's true. Scoring's down. The game, it's usually you give like three or four weeks of some sloppy football, then everything clicks. I feel like we're still watching September football, and we're in the middle of almost the end of November. So that is a, that is a fair point. And it's true, though. It's because a lot of it went down, and there was a time when you would go in like, you know what, I've earned the right to be here. Now half the guys are probably like, oh, my God, we didn't even cover this because I needed another lunch break. Do do you remember on Sirianni, real quick, do you remember his opening press conference when he got hired like two years ago? Didn't he like do something wild? He was a train wreck. He was was as nervous as you'll ever see a coach in front of media and fans. He had like notes that he was kind of reading from and he was in like the notes were shaking and he was talking about we're going to, we're going to install systems and processes and we're going to, we're going to have systems that our players can learn front and back. And 
he kept talking about systems and processes, and people were like, wait, is he that nervous? What's happening? But, I mean, two years later, the guy is, the guy is well, a badass. Man. Let's be honest, because last year was his first year, and I was covering – I was doing the serious thing. So I had to watch all of his games. They started out horribly. Remember that? They yeah. were like – just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And then all of a sudden, because they weren't running the ball, they were throwing it 55 times. They were putting everything on Jalen. All of a sudden, everybody was like, dude. B-A-O-Y, why don't you just run a little bit behind him? And then ever since then, dude, took off. And obviously now you sign Sue, you get Linval, you try to show up that run defense. They're a good team, and they're Philly, dude. They're just crazy. It's fans all they'll throw a, They'll throw a full beer can at your head as I'll Vikings fans found fan. out. Dude, I'll fight a Philly fan. Can we do that? Can we, can, we, can we have you fight a Philadelphia fan live on the Purple Daily YouTube channel? No, I had... No, Octagon, no, no, boxing no, ring, will you? No, no. Parking Bro. lot. No. Poor kids. <laughs> oh, you can... Uh, How'd you do, yeah, Dad? Yeah. Did you win your fight? It can be a family thing. Uh, have Find another guy with four kids, and you guys can all... All ten of you can get in the, in the ring. Uh, what is your your number one overall pick in the Thanksgiving food draft? Dude. You're on the clock. What What are you drafting number one overall? I got a massive delivery today from one of my neighbors, and it was a pie dunkin. Have you ever had one? A, a what? A pie dunkin. You ever heard of turduncan? I've heard of turduckin. Yeah, John yeah. Madden made that famous. Dude, amazing. This is a pie dunkin, and it's basically four pies stacked on top of each other, and my neighbor got it for me. Football. I was so excited. Is and it four different kinds of pies? Yes, yes it's pecan. Uh, pumpkin, spiced allspice pie or allspice cake, and then on top of it is an apple pie, and it's wrapped in a cinnamon buttercream. I was like, Shoot. I heard that. Uh, I heard that you're all the rage at the grocery store uh, bakery section these days, dude. Well, I was going to get my big standing rib, right? And the guys in the meat section, I love them to death over Kowalski's. They're my guys. We we talk more football than you and I talk. It's insane. And we'll, like, talk really loud. And, like, this last week I came in, and they started throwing stuff around. And I was like, all right, calm down. We're good. It's okay. It's okay. Right, there's another game on Thursday. Right? Don't worry about it. So they're standing there, and they're, we're all laughing about something. Probably not football this week. And the the baker came over, and she was like, oh, my goodness, honey. I heard you're a big fan of the of the raspberry lime. And I was like, oh, my God, I am the biggest fan. The Rock fan knows of how you feel about pie. Dude, right? <laughs> And so she was like, oh, you know, yeah, we're going to have to make it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, hon, if you make it, you got to let me know. Oh, of course we will. I was like, oh, my God. Look at this. You're just you're walking and getting custom-made pies. <laughs> Kowalski's what a life. What a life. They're so nice. They're so nice. You, when, you know, when, talk- you be, when you became an NFL football player, did you know that later in life you were going to just have just women in the bakery section of grocery yes. stores were going to be yes. begging to make you pie the rest of your life? It's like been my whole life. Are you kidding? Sorry, me? honey. I have options at Kowalski's. That's right, Susan. Older ladies, they love me. Like, come on, why you wouldn't know, they? I know, right? Amazing. Uh, all right. Well, Football. happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy and Thanksgiving your family. to you. By the way, what's your what's your favorite thing to eat? Oh, uh, stuffing, dude. All in on oh, stuffing. Okay. Yeah, and now, I don't. It's, it's kind of a once a year. I uh, I I'm. I don't hate turkey. I don't need. I don't need it. I don't need it. So what do you? It's eat? fine. It's a, it can be a little dry. If you, you know, put it in a smoker or something, I can. There's ways you can dress it up. But, uh, but I, but number one overall for me is the stuffing. 
I think number two overall, probably the pecan pie. Big fan. Uh, number three overall, I think it's probably uh, some sort of like sweet potato or yam casserole situation. Just something kind of sugar, something kind of sugary, but so, it's kind of a vegetable, you know. So what and who am I kidding? Done? I mean, I'm not you, turning anything down to the Thanksgiving table, so who no, am I to no, no. judge any of these foods? No, and if you do, I'm judging you. If anyone turns down <laughs> food this year, I'm totally judging you. But what is your go-to protein? In general? No, in Thanksgiving. I mean, isn't turkey kind of the only main protein on the no, table? No. Or are you are you introducing other proteins here that I should I told know you, about? I'm getting a standing rib. I do standing rib. I don't do turkey. Okay. I'm not trying to fall asleep. Fall asleep. <laughs> so you're just making a meal on Thanksgiving. It doesn't no, even matter no. that it's Thanksgiving. But it's an awesome meal. Cause you gotta you're like sausage pizza. That's my favorite Thanksgiving <laughs> no, food. No, I'm not completely wild. I still put on Deep food. dish. No. Meat lovers. I, I'm not the only <laughs> one that eats steak on Thanksgiving. I know that for sure. No, I you know I, I think a number, a number of years ago, my wife and I just started going to nice restaurants on Thanksgiving, saying oh, we don't really want to. We're we going to cook for like six hours, and for, for me, part of it is, and this might be just be laziness. I can't justify. I'll cook some stuff. I can't justify a wide ratio of like four hours to cook something, and it's going to take me 15 minutes to eat it. You know. Just seems like a waste of time. <laughs> so many things. I'm, I'm a busy guy, Alex. There's so many That's things I could is. be doing. You know, That's so many things. <laughs> a lot of things to do. Okay. No, you know, you hit the nail on the head. When you're when you're young, and married, you're like, listen, let's go somewhere nice. I love. It. Let's do it. And then you realize you know, cook, clean up, <laughs> do all this. You kidding me? I just love it. It's fun. So, all right, we'll send pictures of your yeah, well, pies to, uh, stacked on top of each other. Andrea Mohan, my, my favorite. <laughs> Look at this. Amazing. Well, we're going to end each episode with Alex just doing bakery shout-outs by name. Dude, it's getting name. crazy, man. The pies are coming out of control. Like, everyone's like, I heard you're a big fan of the pie. I'm like, Let's just say if you have a bakery in the western suburbs, it is I've not safe it. from no, this pie it. predator. <laughs> Stay away from Kowalski's. All right, well, we'll see if the Vikings can avoid another 40-3 to ass-kicking this uh, this week against If they don't, you'll see me on Ventline with Pats. you. I'll be on yeah, with you. You're welcome. And uh, if you could, if you're watching this, uh, if you could click the subscribe button on the Purple Daily YouTube channel or if you're listening via Apple, for instance, if you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it helps spread the word about this delicious football and pie mm. discussion mm. every single week. We'll see you guys the next time. How you feel about pie. Trenches with Alex Boone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.